0: Coming to you from the studios of AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. This is The Gailey Show. I'm J.P. DeBrogosian. On the show, we talk with queer artists and theater makers and singer-songwriters about the new projects they're working on and have coming out. Today, I sit down with actor Shad Hanley, who's starring in Beautiful, the Carol King musical, which opens March 1st at Chanhassen Dinner Theaters. Our conversation ranges from Shad's role in the musical, his approach to acting, the after effects of COVID on the theater scene. And we got pretty philosophical about the role that theater and acting has in giving us queer joy and building community. Well, Shad Hanley, welcome to The Gailey Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me absolutely i've been really looking forward to this conversation with you so let's just jump right in here you are in a the upcoming show at chanasson theater carol king the musical so tell us about it tell us about the show tell us about your role
1: yeah so it's the story of carol king it's sort of a slice of her life just before she started singing her own songs and I play her husband, Jerry Goffin, who wrote the lyrics to her music. So they had, you know, a business partnership and a personal partnership and had two children together. And um he presented some major obstacles to her sort of taking off on her own and really finding her own voice. And it's sort of the story of her shedding her, uh, connection, her, her entanglement with this man in order to step out on her own. Um, and in the meantime, she loves him and he loves her. And so it's a pretty heartbreaking story in the end. But, uh, in the meantime, you get all the great Carol King songs, you get a huge cast, uh, performing numbers by, um, Uh, Cynthia Weil and Barry Mann, who were their sort of competition throughout their writing process. So you get songs like On Broadway, these big splashy production numbers, um, a lot of dancing, a lot of, it's a lot of great stuff. So I make it sound rough because I'm coming from the one obstacle that she has to overcome. But uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful story and, and really uplifting.
0: I don't know this background. So what what were the obstacles that he was, I mean, you don't have to give away like the whole plot and spoilers, but like generally speaking, like what were the obstacles that he was throwing up there? Because I, this is fascinating. I didn't know anything about this.
1: Right. Well, he, um, suffered from some mental illness that was sort of exacerbated by drug use, um, which then sort of took him out of the marriage, uh, into, you know, some straying a little bit. And she, uh, had to sort of go along with it at first and wasn't happy about it and was started, it was starting to make her f- doubt herself. Um, and so it's sort of the story of her coming into her own, uh, through this very hard time in her life and in her relationship.
0: What did you like? How did you approach this role then? Like what kind of gave you insights into the character? Was it like the music that he was saying? like the lyrics? Was it like the, exactly the bodywork of this? Was it like the interiority? Like what was how did you approach this role?
1: Well, first of all, there's an awesome uh, memoir that Carol King wrote. So you get a lot of information about her oh. personal life in her own voice, which is terrific. Um, but I found Jerry Goffin in his lyrics. know, this is a man who wrote the lyrics to You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. He was the kind of guy who had so much empathy and such a great connection to people that he could adopt a voice that sounds so authentic on a woman that he was, you know, um, that those are his words. Uh, he was someone that I think was really trying to figure out the world around him. Um, as we all are, I'm sure, but he uh, struggled with it. You know what I mean? He was trying to really figure out people. And, uh, and I think he paid a price in doing that, uh, in doing that so zealously, you know? So you really learn a lot about this guy through his lyrics and how he felt about the world. You get his sort of, uh, perspective and can, um, channel that, into carol king's story and and uh in the meantime you're presenting her with this huge obstacle that she has to get past
0: yeah yeah so is this before her
1: her like album yeah, before the tapestry album, um, uh, she sort of comes out onto her own at Carnegie Hall, yeah. uh, which is an incredible way to sort of take the world by storm. What a huge first step onto the you know stage, even though she'd already had her first uh, hit when she was sixteen. Uh, and then she writes um, some kind of wonderful for the Drifters with Jerry Goffin. Mm-hmm. Um, they wrote uh, "Take Good Care of My Baby." They wrote "The Locomotion." Um, you know, you get all their big hits in this show. Uh, with a really huge, incredible cast. The cast is so ridiculously talented. I am blown away just in our rehearsals.
0: Oh, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Now, you and your partner are both at Chanhassen. Your partner is uh, the musical director. And I hear there's a special thing that happened over Christmas. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he's my partner, Andy Koost, uh, and he's the music director at Chan And We moved out here to Chan and We live next door to the theater, uh, in no, 2000 for, no, 2020 for, uh, Music Man. Uh, and then we did the next several shows here together. And, uh, just this past Christmas, I proposed to him and he said yes. So we're getting married. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations!
0: Thank you so much. Thanks That's a lot. very yeah, exciting. What is it like to be working with your partner now, um, fiance?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting that uh, I have been able to go to work with him and see him all day at work, and come home and see him all day at home, and we are like very much together all the time. And it's great. And that's how I knew, well, I better put a ring on it. You know what I mean? Especially <laughs> after being stuck together in a room through COVID. You know, we were, we were out of work for a year and a half because the theaters weren't open. So, um, you know, it was just us in a room. And if you can get through that, man, you know, <laughs> you can get through anything. So I knew it
0: was time. So speaking of 2020, so you moved here pre-COVID and then like yeah. it started
1: yeah yeah you hit the nail on the head so we got here for music man um and i was going to be i was cast in the next show also so andy was like well i'm the music director there and since you're going to be there for at least two shows let's make the move and see how we like it for a year um so we moved here uh in january 2020 um we started music man uh in february and then we got three weeks of performances before we closed down what was supposed to be like an eight or nine month run, um, for oh, COVID. No. And then we were just like next door at this place where we just moved, looking out the window at the theater where oh, we were supposed no. to be working. It was rough. It was really challenging, but you know, we came through it, I think much stronger and better. Um, the theater is like stronger and better after COVID. Um, you know, I, I re- I'm really proud of the work that we're doing there.
0: Tell me about that. So how have things been now, like post Well, (laughs) I'm not quite sure when to say post, uh, you know, epidemic, because maybe it's not like a full blown epidemic anymore, but it's still there and people please get vaccinated. But like, how are things, you know, different now at Chanhassen?
1: Well, I mean, we do have strict COVID policies, even still, that's, you know, one piece of it. Um, The other thing is COVID, I think, is sort of catching up to a lot of theaters in our, not only in our region, but in our country. There's just been a few pretty huge closures of theaters, long running, long standing (laughs) theaters. Um, and that's, you know, pretty painful to our community. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, to have Chan Hassan still going and still going strong, you know, we sold out Jersey Boys for months. Um, we just closed that show on Saturday and, uh, to be doing two shows right now, you know, I just closed Jersey Boys while I was rehearsing for Beautiful during the day and to have two shows to work on at a time when, you know, these jobs are really precious. I feel like the luckiest freaking person, you know, um, I feel very, very like I hit the jackpot, but so, you know, when we came back from COVID, it felt, like, um, the theater was, uh, really taking a lot of responsibility for getting stronger and better, uh, post 2020, you know, coming into 2021. And, uh, I'm just very proud to be working there right now.
0: I'm glad to hear that. I'm yeah, glad to you. hear that. Cause yeah, a lot of, a lot of institutions really in the theater community, both here and across the country have, you know, it's been rough and they're closing down. So yeah. I'm glad to hear that Chanhassen is selling out
2: yeah, <laughs> and still yeah. going
0: strong because it's really important. Chanhassen has been an institution in the Twin Cities for such a long time.
1: Yeah. And thriving. Theater. right?
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. theater has also played a huge role in the queer community when we think of Boys in the Band, Angels in America, Laramie Project, and and developing the community, uh, developing the community, supporting the community, uplifting the community. So as someone who is part of the community as well, like what is your take on like, what would you like to see in terms of the theater and how it's supporting the community, like now in 2024 and going into the future in terms of the stuff that we're facing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what we just did at Chanhassen before Jersey boys was the prom, you know, uh, it's a queer love story. Um, incredible show and we really turned over the audience for the prom we got a new younger um more diverse audience during the prom and when we were done with you know that show ends with such a celebration you know where, where so many shows like to show the hardships of a queer love story this celebrated it by the end and it was people were on their feet people were weeping it was like an incredible experience for me um you know who i've i've it was it was a beautiful thing to see because um so there's a song in it called um uh unruly heart where you get to see a bunch of queer teens saying you know to this, uh, responding to this message that the main character, Emma, has put out online saying, thank you. I see. I feel seen. Um, I feel represented. And to have that song sung, I was standing next to someone who had been at Chanhassen for many, many, many years. And as we were watching, I look over at him and he's got tears flying down his face because he's like, this is the first time I've ever felt seen here. Because, you know, we we typically don't play ourselves, You know, not very frequently. Um, So it was a huge, huge moment for a lot of us. Um, It was an incredibly special production to be a part of. And I think that it did a lot of good for people in our community who came to see the show. Um, And people came back again and again to see it over and over. It was really, it was really special.
0: Queer joy. We need a lot more queer joy.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, it was very beautiful.
0: It can be rare to as as actors to play queer roles. I'm curious: is there a role that you've played in your in your career that was queer and, did, and that you enjoyed? Well, I'm hoping you enjoyed it. <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, yeah, I played uh, Roger in a New Brain back in when I was living in New York, and it was at the Astoria Performing Arts Center. It's a musical about um, by Bill Finn about a man going in uh, with a brain i think it's a brain tumor um going into the hospital and how his uh how he has, sort of has to face everything in his life at that what could be the end of his life and one of those things is his partner uh, Ro- uh Roger who uh has a hard time uh, committing to him when this is going down, when he really just wants to be free and enjoy his life and this was a sad thing. So that was uh that was an important role to me. And I played that when I was pretty young. Um and I would love to come back to have come back to it at an older time to to really dig into it more. You know, I didn't really know what I was doing yet. Uh I, but it was something I wish I could come back to because it, it is more special than I realized at the moment. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a play or musical from the LGBTQ canon that you'd love to see remounted in 2024? Or think Ooh. should be remounted?
1: Yeah, when was the last time Bear was done? Oh. I wonder if they've done that any time recently. Know. Yeah, that's That'll a be great good show. Yeah, it's heavy, but it's also an incredible score and a great story.
0: For folks who haven't yeah, seen it, can you explain a little bit about the background?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a a queer love story in a religious school upbringing. So you can imagine what those conflicts are. Um, And I think that's a really important thing to look at maybe right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think that would probably be an, an interesting one to revisit.
0: As an actor, right, we have a lot of the book bans that are going on here, but part of that is these hostile, very hostile environments that are happening in our elementary schools and in our high schools. Um, what Kind of like, how are you processing seeing this huge, Not, ju- I wouldn't even call it a backlash, it's just this coordinated attack on literature and the arts in our schools. Like, what is your take on that? How are you processing it?
1: Yeah, I mean, what a great question. How am I processing it? Um, it's, it's very scary and it's very disheartening. And, you know, I think probably, you know, I'm processing it by escape. I, um, I think that's largely why I do theater is for the escape to, you know, get out of my own body, get out of my own world and go be somewhere else, go be someone else and tell some other story than the one that's going on right now. And I'm sure that's probably the wrong answer, but you know, that is how I cope. I, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. (laughs) So you got to sort of, I'm just going to check out. It's like people who like, I can't read the news this week. You know, there Mm -hmm. are times where we just, it's, it's too painful for your soul to, to see, you know, how, Mm -hmm. how cruel people can be to each other and how you forget the rules that you learned in kindergarten. And, you know, it's all pretty basic stuff. And how did we lose that? How did we lose our way on that? (laughs) It's quite remarkable. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That really resonates with me because in a time very, very long ago. <laughs> that's how I got into... I was a. I was an actor, I guess you could say. Like, that's how I got into theater in high school. I knew it. Was that I really didn't... I When I look back at that time now and how I, like, process it in, like, my own, like, writing and essays that I do and I'm trying to understand, like, what was that period like for me? And I realized that so much of that time period was me wanting to do roles And I wanted to do them on stage because I wanted people to see me not as queer. So I wanted them to see me, you know, dressed as another person. I wanted them to hear this different voice coming out of me, right? Because it was so, I didn't want to be me. And I wanted that acknowledgement of being on a stage and here seeing an audience of and family members and parents to be able to look at that and be like, oh, you know, maybe we're wrong. Maybe he isn't a closet case, you know what I mean, that nobody was talking about, you know? But that was, when you're saying that, that really, it it is a form of escape. And interestingly, did like a few years ago, I found out that Oprah, was like encouraging people to do like theater and acting because it gave them like presence, right? Like you learn how to stand up and like talk in front of people. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, Mm -hmm. that's such a good idea. Like I would have never have thought to like prescribe if that's the right word to people, you know, particularly now that I think about it, like how much of that time was also maybe subliminally teaching me how to carry myself, how to stand up, you know? So at the same time that I was trying to escape I was also learning these tools that I would ultimately maybe end up using later on if you want to credit it back to my acting training. Um, And I like took it to the hilt. Like I, you know, went to that was the first thing I went to college for. And then I went to study abroad with it and then like got done with all this training and realized, no, I I don't want to do this. And as I process that now, I'm like, oh, my God, do you know how much money you took out? (laughs) <laughs> to do this, but I think for part of me, it was I needed that escape at that time to get away from it, to experience these different, you know, roles and viewpoints. And yeah, sorry, I'm making this all about me right now. No, no, no. <laughs> Actually, you just
1: Bye. blew my mind because I realized I think that's something that I've never really addressed in myself, but what you just said resonated so hard with me. That makes so much sense. I totally get that. And you're right. Like, was that money wasted or did that make you who you are? Plus, when you go into theater, I love that Oprah was encouraging that. So when you go into theater, you're also every day exercising empathy. That's like the whole gig. You know, I mean, Jerry Mm -hmm. Goffin, I could look at this guy and be like, he's the villain, but I don't think of him as like that at all. I think that this is, I think he was a genius. And I think that he was very human and that he, you know, that he hurt someone while he was trying to figure out how to be a human. And, you know, that's something that you learn when you go into theater, you have to empathize with your character. You have to love your character, even if it's the bad guy. You have to see, oh, he's coming from his point of view for a reason. There's, he has this perspective for a legitimate reason. What is that reason? And how can I look at this person not as my enemy, but as somebody that I can um, relate to? And, th- and theater teaches you that.
0: It does. Speaking of perspective, I think I'm curious then. Do you think there's like a queer take on acting like a queer perspective that like queer actors bring to the profession of acting and how we like approach it.
1: Well, that's so interesting because like there's so many of us in musical theater, particularly, you know, and I, and I don't know why do you, that's interesting. I wonder why that is. Does it date back to like Shakespeare days, you know, where there were no women on stage? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm so curious about why that, why we're drawn to it in such, you know, great numbers. But, um,
0: Maybe it's the exploration sorry, of the- humanity when we're not allowed to be full humans.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I think that's it. Well that's so and then smart. also
0: we do not have control. Like from the minute we understand ourselves to be queer, like people are constantly controlling, like, you know, this is how you should stand, don't cross your legs, this is how you should talk, don't have a lisp. Mm-hmm. Like we we have straight mm-hmm. people and cis people constantly policing our bodies and maybe that's what the theater does is it I mean we have complete control of everything like we have control of what we're wearing we have control of how we're talking and moving I mean maybe that's why we've been so drawn to theater and performance for so many years this is a fascinating conversation
1: (laughs) (laughs) this is such a good conversation you just blew my mind (laughs) that's so it
0: right I don't know yeah I don't know well, I don't I mean, want to cut so this short. That, oh no, go for it. Oh, yeah, go yeah, for sorry.
1: I know uh, I was just gonna say that is something that I've long wondered, like why why are there so many of us in this? And that is like the first time I've ever heard any kind of explanation. That's really, really smart.
0: <laughs> this is great, because this is what's coming up just in this conversation of like, you know, yeah. things that I never even, you know, thought about. But maybe this is Same, it's but... us trying to take back control. Yeah, you're a good hang. And to have queer joy, like if we're not gonna bring it, who is? You know, You're here. here. Right. Well, Chad, I don't want to stop this conversation, but maybe we're (laughs) going to have you back. We're going to have you back. We're going to talk more about this. You have a standing invitation to come back because I want to talk more about this with you.
1: Likewise. Thank you so much for this.
0: Beautiful. The Carol King musical opens March 1st. I checked their website and tickets are selling fast and some dates are selling out. So go to ChanhassenDT.com to get yours. If you missed the Queer Rights Book Fair, here are some interviews we recorded live from the fair. Hey everyone, this is J.P. Derbogosian. We are at the Queer Rights Book Fair in St. Paul at Urban Growler Brewing. Joining me right now is Lee, who is a local author and has a new book coming out. So, Lee, tell us all about it.
3: Uh, It it is called The Boyfriend Fix. Um, It is a gay rom com with two men. Uh, One is bi, one is gay. Uh, It's fake dating, so the idea is the one guy, Ben, is a surgeon. He's up for a huge promotion, uh, but his coworkers don't think that he has a heart, and they want somebody with a heart to get this big promotion to Neurosurgeon and chief. So... uh, he decides to ask this barista that he has always had a crush on, but he's never been brave enough to say anything, Jamie, who works at this coffee shop. Uh, Jamie has a, a boss that isn't inappropriate. He's very handsy, And he's always like after Jamie to go on a date with him. So Jamie says, hey, I have a boyfriend uh, and then has to produce this boyfriend uh, because his boss doesn't believe him. So they sort of mutually agree to Fake Date to help each other with their careers and, of course, real feelings happen.
0: I love it, I love it. Well, congratulations. Lee, we we are gonna have you on the show to do a full-length interview about this, but thank you for being here today. Congratulations on your new book. And where can folks go to get a copy?
3: So it will be available in print and digital. Um, Cream and Amber is my local bookstore, uh, and I'm here with them. They invited me here today, so thank you, Cream and Amber. Uh, Pre-order through them if you can. Otherwise, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you usually get your books.
0: Hey, everyone. This is J.P. Debregosian. We are at the Queer Rights Book Fair. This is The Gailey Show. And I am here, the founders and the hosts of Books, Besties, and Booze, what is this? Tell us all about it. Introduce yourselves.
2: <laughs> uh, well, my name's Laura. She, her. Uh, and this is... Logan. <laughs> also she, her. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're two best friends. We love to read. We have uh, did a book club for a while and then decided to get onto social media and start uh, an Instagram account, sharing our love of books and cocktails with people.
0: Love yes. it.
2: Yes. So we primarily... As readers are, we do read a, a wide range, um, but primarily stick with uh, romance and fantasy. So, and then what we like to do is if it's a YA, we'll pair a, cock, a mocktail. And then if it's a, you know, adult book, we'll do, you know, a cocktail, a wine, a beer, or something like that that would go with it.
0: I love that. As a, fa- I mean, I'm a mocktail sort of queer. So I love those. <laughs> Thank you for that. How can folks follow you online? You said Instagram, right?
2: Yes. So we're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on Facebook. Um, we also do have a blog that we're trying to kind of get up from the ground. Um, and our handle is all books, besties,
0: booze. Perfect. Well, I love this. We are going to have books, besties and booze on the gaily show and an upcoming episode for now. Everyone have a great day. Joining me now is a very special guest, Nicole Olilla, who is not only here as a vendor for the L Spot Bookshop, but has been a guest on this Gripbook Save My Life and is one of our associate producers. So Nicole, hello. Hello. How I'm are so you? glad we're
4: neighbors. I know, right? Like
0: literally, like yeah. our, our tables are right yeah. next to each other. Yeah.
4: That so was tell us about
0: your da- Tell us about the L Spot Bookshop.
4: So the L Spot mm-hmm. shop is Many things, but today it's just my bookshop, which is also on Etsy. It's a vintage sapphic, feminist and offbeat reads curated collection that I keep replenishing constantly. It's really fun to be here today as the L-Spot because Urban Growler Brewery, Deb and Jill were, in my former iteration as Girl Pond Productions many years ago, like 2017, They were the first guests on my podcast, Let's Talk Girl Pond. And so if people visit my website, LSpotShop.com, there's some archives and they can see pictures of my flyers and everything. And I've had lots of different iterations. And so it's really fun to be here with Deb and Jill. They are amazing. I had interviewed them, but due to a sort of like queer lesbian dramatic breakup I deleted all of the podcasts that had my ex-partner on well, kind of out of respect, because that's the kind of person yeah. I am. I have a lot of integrity, I like to think, but also just because <laughs> I couldn't stand hearing, you know, Their voice. the voice from the past, no. you know. So, but anyway, so this is super fun to be here.
0: Yes. Now, I see on your display, you have Diana Hunter's "Clouded Waters." Oh, okay. Right. Diana is a local Minnesotan author who just came out with "Clouded Waters." Tell us about it. So, "Clouded Waters" is
4: a sort of a who—who's who done it. A uh, voice from the Anthropocene, very intelligent and yet still romantic, Sapphic mystery. It's her first foray into fiction. Her, I'm also selling her Wild Mares, My Back to the Land, Lesbian um, Life, which was produced by or published by University of Minnesota Press, 2018, which is an amazing memoir. And then uh, Clouded Waters just came out from Holy Cow Press in 2023. And yeah, she was a guest on here as well. She's a good friend of mine, a mentor, uh, amazing, amazing woman who's done a lot of activism. So it's kind of like a mix of sapphic romance and activism. And... and i would say like investigative journalism and about the mining mm-hmm. on the yeah. um, iron range yeah. so it's a, a fictional town but pretty recognizable for folks who are aware you know and familiar with the issues that are being it faced it feels
0: like true crime when you talk to and you yes. get the synopsis and yeah. then it's like you know fiction yeah. but yeah. and romance and but yeah. like it's so exactly. many things and also that just are an education too yeah. of
4: like what's going on with mining which is a big, a big deal. Nickel yeah. and copper mining is something we really need to reckon with, and that's something yes. that Diana wanted us to sort of start looking at, and she wanted yeah. to be a part of that in teasing out just like what is really going on here, what's at stake, who are the players. Of course, there's some bad actors, of course, <laughs> and there's some cute, cute actors too.
0: Right? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Um is there another book that you would really recommend from the L Spot bookshop?
4: Well, I'd also like to give a shout out to Adina Burke, who's been my longtime friend. I have wheelchairs,
3: wheelchairs,
4: uh whips and bondage tape, and also Bird's Eye. These are kind of vintage now, uh, but she's a local, uh queer disabled, punk rock, spoken oh word artist. If you visit my website, there's actually footage of uh, her doing spoken word, and we were also on Fresh Air together a couple years ago. So she's also a pal of mine. So I try to represent not only the vintage voices from the past, but also some, I have some favorites that I've palled around with for many years, so.
0: That's an amazing bookshop. Congratulations. Yeah. Give us the website one more time.
4: It's pretty simple. It's just lspotshop.com. Wonderful.
0: Are you on social media?
4: Yes, yes I know and, you and you can are, get so. to everything through my website, and I'm also here today as the library manager for the quatrefoil Library, right. so I'm wearing two hats, uh, so handing out... Uh, information about the Quattrofoil Library in Minneapolis as well, which is an LGBTQ library. If you don't know about it, come visit us.
0: Yes, tell us a little bit about that. So you get free
4: membership, gets you a library card. We used to charge for membership, but a number of years ago, we decided to remove that barrier to give greater access to the LGBTQ community locally. But we also have E and audiobooks. We're on Mm -hmm. Libby. So you can use your card on the Libby app, which is amazing. We have an amazing head librarian who keeps our shelves absolutely overflowing with physical and digital resources for folks. And we also have a lot of programming. We have a great programming team. And we're looking for volunteers all the time and board members.
0: Yes. And dot Library.com.
4: It's Quatrefoil library. library. It's actually. .org. i always get it wrong. And then they're like, hi. I realized as I started saying it, it's I'm quad, like. It's Q as in queer. Oh my gosh, yes. library.org library. It's .org. not that intuitive. I admit.
0: Well, congratulations on that position. Thank you for all the work yeah. that you do for Quattrofort Library yeah. and with Spot. So we will be in touch soon. Yeah.
4: We do have a display for Queer Book, Saved My Life. It's our only permanent That's display. Nice. So anytime a book is on Queer Book, then we put it in our display we right when you walk in there. the door. Yes. Yeah, you should come and you should Thank do you a show that. there. We should
0: do something there.
4: I used to do my podcast there.
0: Yes we're gonna do that. Hey everyone, this is JP. I am here with a very special guest. A young author who has a debut book here at the Queer Rights Festival. So, Grayson, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Um, I'm Grayson, I wrote Dotson um, about like my journey growing up being trans.
0: That's, congratulations. And you've sold out. You're almost sold out. Almost
2: sold out. We have like four left or something.
0: Wow. So can you share a little bit about what the book is about?
2: Um. So it goes um, through a couple of years. So starting when I was two years old and I first told my mom I didn't think I was a girl until I was 12 years old and I had, like changed my name and all my friends knew and all that.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And what was the writing process like for you?
2: So I wrote a super rough draft um, when I was like seven, I think. And that was, it. I mean, it's not anything like this is really, but it's the same kind of stuff. And then um, we got in touch with like Target and Publisher. And I just wrote, I would write a couple chapters at a time. So it was like almost a year, I think it took, but. That's
0: great. And there's illustrations in it too, right?
2: Yeah. They had a good illustrators. So- Stephanie Ross. Do you want
0: to hold it up a little bit for the yeah. camera? There it is. Yeah. Well, congratulations. And it came out this year?
2: This came out a couple years ago.
0: That's amazing. And this is your first type of event. What's it been like to yeah. be a debut um, author? Well, I
2: was really nervous. I didn't know what to, like, ever, a lot of people have super cool, like, big things set up and we didn't really have a lot set up so I was pretty nervous but it's been fun
0: I imagine what's a really special book congratulations on all the success of it are you going to be writing a sequel
2: Uh, hopefully I said uh, I had some people ask I said I have to live a little bit (laughs) so that I can have something to write about but
0: (laughs) that is true you're already so much wiser beyond your years of being a writer so this is really fantastic Grayson thank you for joining us today yeah thanks Coming to the Walker Arts Center is the New Eagle Creek Saloon. It will open on March 7th. The New Eagle Creek Saloon is artist Sadie Barnett's reimagining of her father's bar, the first Black-owned gay bar in San Francisco. There will be happy hours at the New Eagle Creek Saloon, DJ sets, an opening day talk, and several community gatherings. The original New England Creek Saloon was only open for three years, from 1990 to 1993. But it was an epicenter of a multiracial queer community. Artist Sadie Barnett wants to honor her father's vision and Black queer joy. Inside is sparkling vintage stereo equipment and holographic seating. The exhibit will open March 7th and run through May 19th. And every Thursday, there will be special programming. On March 7th, Sadie Barnett and her father will be there to open the series, as will DJ Jam E Z, and Mamasan Collective will be serving signature cocktails. On March 14th will be Come Together, Sachet chanté, a series of parties hosted by local black queer artists. And starting March 21st, there will be regular happy hours as the new Eagle Creek Saloon will be an immersive art piece and a functioning bar. For more information, head to walkerart.org. So I've got a couple of new books for you to read. Shayla Lawson just released How to Live Free in a Dangerous World, a decolonial memoir. Shayla's previous book was This Is Major, which was a finalist for a National Book Critics Circle Award and a Lambda Literary Award. And How to Live Free in a Dangerous World, a decolonial memoir, has a Minnesota connection. In the memoir, Shayla redefines travel as more than just sightseeing. It's a political act. We live in a world where being black and femme and non-binary and disabled is challenging. So Shayla's journey becomes a captivating tale of love, time and self-discovery. And from what I've seen so far, I think it also transcends into a larger queer experience. Shayla has a bold, some say muscular, writing style. In the memoir, they share stories of chance encounters in Venice, catching up with an ex in the Netherlands, and finding lost love on a Mexican New Year's Eve, plus coming to Minnesota for a Prince concert. There's narrow escapes in Egypt, and class castle rather explorations, and hula hoop competitions. How to Live Free in a Dangerous World, a Decolonial Memoir, is out now, and it is available in our bookstore, powered by bookshop.org. Links on our website, thisqueerbook.com, and on our screen for those of you watching on YouTube. Okay, I love good book titles because I kind of suck at writing titles. So when I see ones that I like, I especially need to share them. The novel, Bored, Gay, Werewolf by Tony Santorella just dropped on February 27th. World travel is a theme today, and Tony Santorella was born and raised in Danvers, Massachusetts, site of the Salem witch trials and related hauntings. He worked in international development for a decade, traveling the globe in Asia and sub-Saharan Africa. So in this novel, Bored Gay Werewolf, we follow Brian, who is a slacker supreme. He's trying to work out the whole adulting thing while also turning into a werewolf every month. And it's not going well. He's killing people but slipping up. And finally, Tyler, a millennial werewolf mentor, intervenes. Tyler also has big plans for the mythological world. This novel (laughs) looks goofy but with a big heart. It's like self-help and werewolf mayhem. Tyler's plan to get Brian to shape up turns nefarious. Really, one could say this novel is pretty much an anarchic, funny take on late capitalism's doomsday logic. And if that sounds a little academic for you, the publisher, Atlantic Books, describes it as Scooby-Doo with grinder, Stranger Things with Sex and Ennui, a buddy novel about finding your pack, the power of friendship, and learning how to be comfortable in your own shaggy werewolf pelt. Bad Gay Werewolf is available in our bookstore, powered by bookshop.org, links on our website, thisqueerbook.com, and on our screen for those of you watching on YouTube. Okay, the film All of Us Strangers is now streaming on Hulu. And you know when you hype up a movie because you loved it so much that you can't stop talking about it or raving about it, and then Your friends go to see it and it's kind of a letdown because they've been so hyped up on the film that there is no way that it can live up to those expectations. I don't want to do that here, but when I say that All of Us Strangers was one of the most important queer films I've seen in my life, I'm not exaggerating, but that is probably because of a combination of my own life experiences. It might not be that for you who are listening and watching at home. And yes, I did see it three times in the theaters, and last week I was able to go to the last screening of it in a movie theater here in Minneapolis. And yes, I will be watching it on Hulu. It's a ghost story. Our main character, Adam, is a screenwriter who is kind of drawing a blank working on his new film. He wants to write about his family, particularly his parents, who died in a car crash when he was 12 years old. Seeking inspiration, he goes back to the house he grew up in up until their deaths. When he gets there, he finds that his parents are still living in the house and are the same ages as they were when they died, and they have the same knowledge and perspectives as they had when they died as people whose lives were cut short in the late 1980s. And Adam is suddenly able to have conversations with them to share his life with them, who he is with them, including coming out. The plot plays out from there, which includes Adam gently exploring a new relationship with Harry, who is a neighbor living in the building. I don't want to give away spoilers. What has stayed with me, though, are a few things. I think as queer kids, we don't get to have the conversations we need to have with our parents, or at least not all of us. There is a distance, and I think realizing you're queer and that you can't necessarily trust your parents causes a little death in that relationship. So while my own parents didn't die when they were young in a car crash like Adam's, there were these small little deaths in our emotional relationship that accrued over time. In one scene, his mom, Adam's mom, is looking at him and says, but you were just a boy, and now you're all grown up but it's still you. Adam's boyhood is his parents' current reality, even though he's now in his 40s. So he's able to have these honest and tender conversations about his adolescence that he didn't get to have when he was 12 years old. And a lot of us don't get to have those types of conversations with our parents to really reckon with what happened. So many of us have to parent ourselves emotionally and spiritually, and sometimes materially speaking, needing to provide the material basics of daily living. And it becomes such a reality that we forget. We were just kids. We were supposed to just be kids. All of Us Strangers is now streaming on Hulu. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks everyone for listening and or watching. Our podcasts are executive produced by Jim Pounds. Creative and accounting support provided by Gordy Erickson. Production, distribution and marketing support provided by Brett Johnson, Chad Larson, Laura Hedlund and Jennifer Ogren from AM 950. You can find us on social media. Search for This Queer Book Saved My Life on Facebook, we're at this queer book on Instagram, and we're at the underscore Gailey Show on Instagram. Follow us there for previews of interview clips from upcoming episodes. For The Gaily Show, you can check out our YouTube channel, unless you're there watching it right now. We're also on AM950's YouTube channel and Facebook page. As always, you can connect with us through our website, thisqueerbook.com. And on our website, you can leave me a voice message of the current LGBTQ books, film, or TV that you're loving right now, and if you send me a message, I will play it on the air to share with our community. So go to our homepage, thisqueerbook.com, scroll down, you will see an orange box with a microphone, click it, and share your message of what queer media you're loving to watch and read. And if you have LGBTQ entertainment news with a Minnesota angle, email gailyshow at thisqueerbook.com, that's g-a-i-l-y at thisqueerbook.com, and until our next episode... See you queers and allies in the bookstores.